Welcome to this week's podcast from the Equipping Church. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Jacob as well. And Elijah passed over to him and threw his mantle on him. I want to declare to you this morning, we're going to pray and then you can take your seats. I want to declare to you this morning that the Holy Ghost is passing by this morning and he's about to throw a fresh mantle on some people. Ah! I want to declare to you this morning, is the live stream on? Good. I want to declare to you this morning to the equipping church. I know we have several in the nations right now. We have several out of state right now. But I want to declare to the equipping church, I'm prophesying this morning, church. You need to hear it. You need to hear it and take it in your spirit this morning. The Spirit of God is passing by the equipping church this morning. And He's about to throw a fresh mantle on this house this morning. I don't say this flippantly. I don't say it because I just want to preach it. I want to say it to you this morning. Because in the wee hours of this morning, I was caught up in a vision And I saw the Holy Ghost passing by this house and he was throwing a fresh mantle on us. He was throwing a mantle called revival. Ha! He was throwing a mantle called revival on this house and he's about, ha! I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to settle on us. But I know it's in the atmosphere and I know the Holy Ghost is passing by and he wants you to hear it this morning. He's passing by with a mantle called revival and we're crossing over church. We're crossing over into a new season. We're crossing over into a season of revival. Oh, hey, hey. He has to do a work in us before he can do a work through us. And there's a work about to be done in us so he can work through us. Ah! There's a mantle called revival passing by the equipping church this morning. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, while he was plowing. Huh? We've been plowing. We're being faithful in the field that he's given us. And the Holy Ghost is about to pass by. I want you to hear that this morning. <laughs> hey, hey. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost is passing by the equipping church and he's throwing a mantle called revival. I believe it began Wednesday night in this room and he's about, oh, the Holy Ghost is passing by. The Holy Ghost is passing by. The Lord showed me in the wee hours of the morning (laughs) as I was praying I had finished my notes for a message called the mantle not knowing what the Holy Ghost wanted to do I was moving by revelation I was moving by faithfulness to to study out what God was saying but then he breathed on it (laughs) and in the vision I saw remnant people. I saw your prayer rooms in your homes. I saw your prayer rooms in your cars. I saw your secret place. And I heard the Lord say, I found a remnant in the equipping church who've been plowing And I'm about to pass by. I'm about to pass by. Ah, Holy Ghost, I know you're passing by this morning. And you're going to mantle us afresh. Now I pray that the word would become fresh to us this morning. I pray that the word would become fresh to us this morning. I pray that the word would become fresh this morning. I pray you give me the ability to communicate your heart. God, I don't want to just preach what I know. I want to preach what you know and what you're saying. And I pray, Father, right now. Right now. I pray right now for a fresh impartation of revival. Right now. Right now. Lift your hands, church. Say, Holy Ghost, I'm ready. 
I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, mantle me afresh. Now lift up a shout and get back to your seats. Ha. Go ahead, go back to your seats this morning. Pastor Hector, bring me my phone, please, and my water. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll treat you like Elisha this morning. Ha, ha, ha. Elisha served Elijah for 13 years before the mantle ever hit him. I'm not saying that we have to wait 13 years for revival, but I'm saying there's a process this morning. Pastor Hector, do you remember the verse from prayer yesterday this morning? Do you remember? Jeremiah 31, thank you. I want to read a verse to you this morning before we get into the message. I'm telling you, there's something fresh this morning. I saw it this morning, early in the hours. Uh, I know this was a prophetic word for prayer. This was a prophetic word for uh, Yolanda yesterday. But I want to I want to declare this to the equipping church this morning. I want you to get this in your spirit as we go into the message this morning. Psalm uh, uh, Jeremiah thirty one, uh, uh, verse four. Uh, Jesus, Rabaka. Uh, no, it's not verse four. It's verse two. Thus says the Lord: the people who survived the sword and found grace in the wilderness. I, I want to say to you, I, I know some of you have been in warfare for weeks. You've been in warfare for months. You've been battling. But here's the prophetic word. I'm a little hot. You're going to pull me back just a little bit. There's a word for you this morning. You've survived the sword and you found grace in the wilderness. You've survived the sword and you found grace for the wilderness. I don't really know this couple right here, but this, that verse is for you. You've survived the sword and you found grace in the wilderness. You've been in a wilderness season seeking the next step, seeking what God would do for you and in you and through you, and you have found grace in the wilderness. But this is a word for the house this morning. Barbara, you have survived the sword. The enemy has tried to kill you so many times. So many times, so many times, but you found grace in the wilderness. Loopy, you need to hear that this morning. You've survived the sword. The enemy has tried to kill your heart in this season. I'm not talking in the natural. I'm talking in the spirit. He has tried to kill your spirit and remove from you the joy of your salvation. But Psalm 5112 is for you this morning, Loopy. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. You're about to hit joy in being saved again. Church people tried to kill you. But you're going to find joy in being saved again. Huh. You have survived. You have survived the sword and found grace in the wilderness. You have survived the sword. Angela, you have survived the sword and found grace in the wilderness. You have survived. Wanda, the enemy tried to kill you. Linda, the Lord, the, the Lord is giving you grace in the wilderness. I was saying to someone yesterday, Wanda, I feel like you've been with us for 10 years. I feel like Dale and Wanda, you've just always been here. And it's crazy to me to think that you've only been here since March. But I, I need the two of you to know, you have survived the sword and you found grace in the wilderness. You found grace in the wilderness. All right, back to our verse this morning, 1 Kings 19. Verse 19, <clears throat> say the mantle. Ha, shekerebere de borosotoko. Tela manda rabasikete. Rebebe rokoso. Some of you are like, well, what are the announcements? Are we taking an offering this morning? Yes. All of that's going to happen, but don't worry about it. There's a mantle. Shekebreke bababa rabababa. Ha, I'm going to have to try and preach this morning. I don't know. It's going to come out. don't know how, but it's going to come out. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, while he was plowing with 12 pairs of oxen before him, and him with the 12th. And Elijah passed over to him and threw his mantle on him. Ha! Ah. He left the oxen 
and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my father and mother, then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back, for what have I done to you? So he returned from following him and took the pair of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the implements of the oxen and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elisha and ministered to him. Elijah the prophet. We talked about last week the spirit of control and intimidation and how Elijah had found himself in a cave. He had found himself running from Jezebel. And how many of us have had seasons where we have had to run because of the attack on our life? I mean, what did, what did Jezebel say? She said, if I will do to you, what had Elijah done? He'd taken the sword and he'd killed the prophets of Baal. He hadn't killed the prophets of Asherah. He killed 450 prophets of Baal. And she says, I'm going to do the same to you. But I've come with a prophetic word for you this morning. You've survived the sword. Elijah survived the sword of, Elijah, uh, of Jezebel. Now, unfortunately, what happened to Elijah is even though he survived the physical sword, he dealt with an embitterness in his heart. He, dealt, he was embittered in spirit. And so when he comes to, to Elisha, when Elisha comes to him, he says, can I go take care of my father and my mother and then I will follow you? And he says, go back again for what have I done to you? It's a question God asks of all of us. What have I done to you? And I believe that's a question that the Lord is asking us this morning. What has God done to you? What has God called you to? What has God set you free from? Where has God brought you from? Where did God find you? Elisha was found faithful in his father's and his mother's vineyard, plowing with the 12 oak of oxen, yoke of oxen. He was there doing what he knew to do. Where did God find you? Where does God find you today? Are you in the field called faithfulness? I believe the equipping church has been found in the field called faithfulness. Elisha then puts things in order. He has to go and put things in order. He wants to pursue Elijah. He wants to serve him. And Elijah misreads Elisha's intent. It is not that Elisha is rejecting the mantle and the call. Elisha just needs to put his house in order. See, I think so many of us, and this is speaking to me this morning. Listen, I had a flesh flash yesterday. You're like, what is a flesh flash? I had a breakdown moment in the flesh yesterday. I got in my flesh. I lost it yesterday. I, I missed the mark entirely. I didn't go and do some egregious sin, but I let my heart get into anger. I was upset about something, and I crossed the line into anger, into an anger that I don't know if I've ever experienced. And God had to deal with me. I had to put my house in order. I had to repent. I had to, you're going to have to pull me back just a little bit more. I had to put some things in order. And, and Elisha in this moment, he has to go put some things in order. He has to kiss his father and mother goodbye because he knew it was goodbye. Some of us need to deal with the things that are keeping us back from serving the Lord. We need to deal with our generational issues. I, if I am so sick and tired of one thing in the body of Christ, it's people spending so much time talking about their generational curses, talking about their family heritage, talking about I'm just this because of that. I am sick and tired of those demons running rampant in your life, in my life, in the church's life. Jesus came to set you free and you're not going to be free unless you want to be free. So listen, if you want to sit around and talk about all the things in your family line and all the things that hold you back, well, brother, sister, honey, whoever you are, you're going to be stuck there for the rest of your life and you will miss revival. I, I just, listen, someone said to me, the equipping church is not an easy church. It's true. It's not. Why? Because we're not going to just settle back into complacency and entertain you. I'm not here to entertain you. I'm not here to entertain me. I'm not here to entertain your religious ideologies, my religious ideologies. We're here to shift a, shift a region. That's why we exist. We are mantled for revival. That's what God has called us to. And revival stirs the pot. So I'm going to stir the pot a little bit this morning because I think for so long we've held on to all of these things in our past. We've held on to all the things that we, we hold on to, these, these images and these ideas and these things of, well, my life would be this if that. Get over it. Can I just say that this morning? 
Jesus already built a bridge. You don't need to build one. So just walk over the bridge and get over it. He built a bridge called the cross. He dealt with it at the cross. So stop living in your past. Put your house in order and move on. So Elisha needs to put his house in order so that he might fully give himself over to the call. But see, Elijah's hurt and bitter. He's hurt and he's bitter. He thinks he's the only one. God corrects him and says, I have 7,000. You're not the only one, Elijah. Come on. I, I, I'm a little bit bigger than that. But how many of us have ever gone through that? We feel like, I'm the only one. I'm the only one who's ever gone through pain. I mean, that, that, that's the story that we, we preach to ourselves. No one's ever gone through what I've gone through. Honey, we've all gone through it. It might not be the same. It might not be the same story, but we've all gone through it. I could boo-hoo over all the stuff. And listen, I, I, I know I sound like I don't have any compassion. I really do. But I only have enough to get you to the cross. Like, I just got to be real. I don't have enough to sit with you in the grave. I've got enough compassion to get you to the cross. See, you can't crucify yourself. You know that, right? It takes the body to help us crucify ourselves. So listen, I carry a hammer and a big nail and I will get you to the cross. I've got enough compassion to get there, but then I'm going to nail you up there and let God resurrect you. Like that's what needs to happen. We can't just sit in our pity party. And Elijah wanted to just sit in his pity party. He wanted to hide away in the cave and that's why God calls him out of the cave. Come to the entrance of the cave so I can speak to you. I'm not going to come where you are. You're going to come to me. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, for I will give you rest. That's the promise of Scripture. God wants to transform us. He wants to give us rest. He wants to heal us. He is more concerned about your healing than you are, but you're so concerned about needing to be healed that you don't see the healer. Okay, I'm not going to beat you up this morning, I promise. We're going somewhere. So Elijah's hurt and bitter. He has little tolerance for the needs of Elisha. However, the question is an important, what have I done for you? See, many are touched with the anointing. Many are touched with a mantle. You have these grand experiences, but you don't understand the nature of the anointing. You don't understand the nature of the mantle, nor what is required to wear the mantle. And so you simply want to go back to life as normal. Oftentimes, as I, as I've, after I've prepared a message... I don't listen to them before. But after I've prepared a message and I've got all my notes topped out and I've prayed through it and, and in essence I've birthed the message, I will go and I will listen to what some other people have preached about the topic because it's encouraging to me. I want to hear if I'm hearing correctly and I want to check my theology. So I go and I listen to people who I know who have sound theology who have preached on the topic. And Brother T.F. Tenney, who's gone on to be with the Lord, great, great Pentecostal preacher, uh, his son was Tommy Tenney, who experienced the, uh, the great outpouring down in Houston. And, and, and so some great heritage there. T.F. Tenney said this, and, and it really spoke to me. He says, we have tremendous moves of God in the Pentecostal church. We have tremendous outpourings of the Spirit. And you know what we do with them? We go to lunch, have steak, and laugh about them. And tell great stories about them. And we never let them change us. We never let them transform us. We have great moves of God. See, I, I think the temptation is we can have a great altar service like we've had this morning. We can shout, we want revival now. And about an hour and a half after this service, we will be eating our lunch, taking our nap, and we will say, that was a great service. I'm so thankful for what God did this morning. I can't wait till the next service for Him to do it again. And we leave a gap from Sunday to Sunday. We had a great meeting Wednesday night. God moved. There was great impartation. It wasn't our typical Wednesday night Bible study. I mean, there, there, I, I, I have to be honest, I feel bad for some of you who missed out Wednesday night because I gave an impartation I'd never given in my entire life. I gave the impartation Jesus gave me when I was six years old. I'd never given it before, ever. And God moved on me then to give it. Now, is it still available? Yes, and God will move on me to do it again in this house. But what I want to say to you is that we can look at Wednesday night and we can go, oh, we got a great impartation, hallelujah. And go home and have our cookies and turn on our TV and go, I'm so glad I got that. And there's a gap between the encounter and our life. And we make them stories that we tell 
and not stories that we live. There's been great moves of God in Bryan College Station. Where are they? They're in the history books. There's been great revivals in history. Where are they? They're in the history books. Why aren't they still alive today? Because at some point, someone gave up the mantle. At some point, someone surrendered the sacred. At some point, we didn't tear down the high places in our lives. At some point, we didn't put our house in order. And so Elisha actually has some wisdom here. He says, I'm going to put my house in order because I recognize the call here. I'm going to put my house in order and then I'm going to follow fully. Some of you need to put your house in order. See, many have received the touch, but the touch has done nothing to change their lives. I don't care if you shake, you rattle, you roll, you, you, you fall, you, you don't fall. I don't care if you laugh, you cry. Get changed by your encounter. Let the encounter of God transform you. Don't just come and give courtesy falls. And don't just come and and have an experience with God and not let it change you. The reason revivals even started is because someone was changed by His presence. And so you're part of Elijah's concern. Remember, Elijah thinks he's the only one, right? God sets him straight. But part of Elijah's concern is here's another one that wants the anointing, wants the calling and the mantle, but also wants everything else they've grown used to, the safety of their home life, the safety found in the familiar. And we need to make a distinction here. There's a difference between the anointing and a mantle. There's a difference between the anointing and a mantle. The anointing we all have, we received it at salvation. 1 John 2.20, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. The anointing can increase in manifestation around our lives, but all of us have access to the anointing because we were given it at salvation. When we were saved, when we made that decision and we became a new creation, we were given the anointing. The anointing enables us to do everything supernaturally required to do to fulfill the Great Commission. But the mantle is more than just an anointing. It's an anointing for service for particular ministry and function for kingdom activity. It's more than just the ability to do supernatural ministry. It is the anointing to function in supernatural ministry for kingdom purpose. For example, we've all heard anointed worship leaders, right? We've all heard talented worship leaders. We've heard people that can have an anointing. But have you ever had someone who had a mantle for worship? I've said under a few who've had a mantle for worship. The minute they begin, because they're not leading you, they're just, they're, they're already engaged. They're not having to stir something up. They've already stirred up the heavenlies in their private time. They've been mantled for it. So by the time they get to you, they're just worshiping the one they're already in worship of. The difference between anointing and mantle is anointing ebbs and flows. A mantle remains. How many of us want a mantle that remains? We want something that remains in our life. We want something that surrounds us, who covers us. And in the wee hours of the morning, I said it and I'll say it again, the Holy Ghost is passing by the equipping church to mantle us. Something that remains. We've met business people who might have an anointing for business and that anointing creates success, wisdom and prosperity. But have you ever met someone mantled for business? It's like everything they touch prospers. It's like they have wisdom that they can look into a business and go, this can be fixed, this can be fixed, this, and all of a sudden it just switches. They can come in and, and they have this mantle to put things in order. That's a mantle, that's not just an anointing. People can have a gifting and they can have an anointing, but it ebbs and flows, but a mantle remains. A mantle remains. The mantle has within it an empowerment a supernatural element that transcends what was just the anointing. I'm sorry, that transcends what just the anointing will achieve. For each person whom God has used in remarkable ways, there has been a moment when something supernatural occurs that changes the person. It might be over a period of time, but something significant comes around their lives and they become mantled for the calling, not just anointed, but mantled. There's something to note about the life of Elisha. Elijah, when he's in the cave, is called out of the cave and he's brought to the forefront of the cave and he's given directives. Anoint Haziel, anoint Jehu, and anoint Elisha. Elijah doesn't do any of those. He never does those three things. Well, he throws his mantle. That's not anointing. Hector, stand there. 
and Susanna stand over here. I want to describe the difference between anointing and the throwing of a mantle. Anointing, now Susanna, forgive me. The anointing was the pouring of an oil. The precedent in Scripture, all throughout Scripture, when anyone was anointed, there was a pouring of oil. We don't see this occur in Scripture. We never see Elijah take the oil and pour it on Elisha. We don't see that. We never see it happen. What we see is the embittered prophet throw it. I missed. I'm not Elijah. Elijah didn't miss. Let's try that again. Elisha catches it. He understands. Y'all can be seated. But Elijah doesn't pour the oil on Elisha. We don't see it happen in Scripture. We never see it happen. You know where the anointing for Elisha came? The anointing came in the service to the prophet because he was determined, you may have not fulfilled what you were supposed to do, but I see what I'm called to and I'm going after it. I'm going after it. I'm going to get what I know God told you to do because you wouldn't have thrown your mantle on me. See, we can be anointed and we can be mantled for business. We can be anointed and mantled for teaching. We can be anointed and mantled for children's ministry, for pastoring, for healing, for being a manager. Whether secular or within church environments, God places something on you that is more than just anointing. Elisha was after something that was more than just anointing. He could have been anointed, but there was a mantling that took place and he recognized the difference. And Elisha said, I'm going to set my house in order because I'm going to get the mantle. I'm going to walk in the fullness of the mantle. And of course, the ultimate example of this is Jesus when he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. That word upon It literally means to be covered. Jesus says, I am covered. I'm covered by the Spirit of God. It is the Spirit of God that has rested on me. It has mantled me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. But the question stands for all of us. What have I done to you? The fact that the anointing is always meant to take us somewhere so that we become more effective, have more influence, supernaturally empowered to do supernatural things. And there are keys to understanding how to walk in and increase the anointing and walk in the mantle in our lives. Verse 21 says this. So he returned from following him took the pair of oxen, sacrificed and boiled their flesh with the implements of the oxen, and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elijah and ministered to him. He understood that he was surrendering everything to walk in the mantle. His 12 yoke of oxen, he sacrificed before the Lord and fed it to all the family, fed it to the people, and he left. And then it says, then he arose and followed Elijah and ministered to him. That's the key. Many great keys to increase the anointing, but the best and most effective, find a person already wearing the anointing, mantle and serve them. If you feel called to business, find some successful Christian business people and let them mentor you. Ask them their keys. If you feel called to to missions, find some successful missionaries and let them minister to you. Serve them. If you feel called to ministry, find some effective ministers and let them mentor you. But I think for so long, we're so afraid of our, our, our own weaknesses, our own insecurities, our own issues, that we don't want people to look into our lives and maybe find something that we don't want them to see. So we keep ourselves secluded. And we never move forward in our lives. See, aligning yourself with the person carrying what you need, the anointing rubs off. I, I'll never forget in 2016 when Brett Douglas walked into this church. See, there had been something in my life in 2006 when I met Brent Douglas. I didn't actually meet him. I didn't get to talk to him or anything. But he was in a meeting in a little town called Dinuba, California. Called me out, prophesied over me for a total of 45 minutes in separate parts. For 10 years, I tried to connect to him. 10 years. I was trying to find this prophet from New Zealand. Randomly, one day, Tim Dorn gives me a call. 
I'm driving in the van. And Tim says, hey, I, I, I've got a friend who's got a guy from New Zealand uh, who needs some meetings. Would you be interested in hosting? I said, well, what's his name? Brent Douglas. What? I've been trying to find this guy for 10 years. Yeah, and he's got some traditional Fiji worshipers. They weren't even from Fiji. They were from the Cook Islands. We didn't even know where they were from. And he shows up. And I said, I want that. That's what I've been looking for. And I aligned myself. And I followed it. Even when it was uncomfortable, even when I didn't understand everything, I said, I'm going to follow this. I'm going to get that anointing, that mantle around my life. And it did so much to grow me. And I've looked for other people who have a mantle that I have on my life, that I know I'm mantled for. And I said, I'm going I'm to follow that. I, I'm going to serve that. I'm going to go after that. That's why I went to Arizona a few weeks ago because I recognized a mantle. They've got a mantle for revival. And my question wasn't, uh, what, how, how can I sit on the front row? How can I, my question was, how can I serve this weekend? Is there anything I can do? To, no, we just want you to come and receive. Oh, okay, well, if you need me to do anything, I'll, I'll do whatever you need me to do. I just, I just want to be around the anointing. I just want to be around it. I have a friend of mine who works in real estate. And he said early on in his real estate career, he said, I found the most successful Christian, mind you, Christian, real estate agent I knew because we want to be around those who have the same values as us. And I asked, can I clean your office? That's what he asked us. Not, can you mentor me in real estate? Can I clean your office? And the guy said, no, I hire someone to do that. Why would you want to clean my office? I, I, I just want to be around you. I just... Well, why don't we go to lunch? And this guy began to mentor him. And this real estate friend of mine is one of the most successful real estate agents in his region. Serving Jesus, funding the kingdom, because that's what he's mantled for. When you find what you're mantled for and you get around the right mantles, you'll do what God has called you to do. It, it, listen, I'm not preaching prosperity this morning. I'm not preaching the, the living your best life. I'm talking about Living in the mantle. Understand the difference. Living in the mantle isn't easy all the time. It doesn't mean that you're going to just have all the success in the world. There, there's going to be valleys and there's going to be mountains. There's going to be great moments and there's going to be difficult moments. But when you're walking in the mantle, it gives you a purpose and you recognize, I'm going somewhere. God is leading me somewhere. So if it's business, if it's healthcare, whatever it is, get around those who have the mantle. Elijah carried some difficult attitudes. I mean, can you imagine serving Elijah? He was rude. He had PMS, prophetic mood swings. Like that was Elijah. But here's where the true power of the story begins to unfold. There were many prophets in the land at that time. You have to understand, they, Elijah wasn't the only prophet. He thought he was, but he wasn't. And as we read on the story, when we get to 2 Kings 2, we find out that there were prophets all over the place. There were schools of prophets at Bethel and Jericho. And, and we can read all about that. It says in 2 Kings 2, And it came about when the Lord was about to take up Elijah by a whirlwind to heaven, that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. Elijah's trying to get rid of him. You've been with me long enough, Elisha. I'm ready to get out of here. And I just want to be alone. Any of us ever felt like that? You just want to be alone. I just want to be alone. Leave me alone. Let me do what I want to do. Stop pressuring me. Now, look what Elisha said both times. He says, as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I'm not going to leave you. Then the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? All the prophets knew that it was Elijah's homegoing. They all were aware of what was about to happen. What is Elisha's response? He says this. He says, yes, I know. Be still. Don't make a big deal out of it. Be still. I know what I'm doing. Stop pressuring me. Don't get me to stop here. What's happening? Well, at Bethel, the prophets have a great ministry happening. They see the anointing on Elisha and want him to join them. Oh, you've served Elijah all these years. Come lead us. Just settle with us. Settle at Bethel. House of God. You know, that's what Bethel means. Come hang out in the house of God. Just, just settle in right with us. Elisha says, no, I'm going somewhere. I'm not going to settle. The same thing happens at Jericho. 
They have their great ministry and want Elisha to join them for their advantage. They saw what God was doing, but only saw it through the eyes of how it might advantage them and not how it might advantage Elisha. For Elisha to keep following Elijah ultimately meant a greater anointing and mantling. Church, we're going somewhere. We can't just settle for good services. We can't just settle and say, oh, as long as I get some thrills and chills, that's good enough for me. It's more than us. It's about a city. It's about a region. It's ultimately about a nation. Can a nation be saved in a day? Yes. Can God use a little church on Lakeview Street? Yes. Does God want to use every church? Yes. But will we say yes? For Elisha, it meant there was a greater anointing. For the sons of the prophets, they were only concerned about themselves and the kingdom and ministry they were building. There was no real concern for Elisha. They just saw potential advantages for themselves. Let me tell you something. When you have an anointing on your life, people want you for their ministry. I can't tell you over the years how many times I've had calls not to just go lead a church somewhere else, but from people who have said, listen, come be the prophet of the house. You're not really equipped to be a pastor. Just come be a prophet in our church. We'll give you a nice little salary. You won't have to work. Just just come tell Okay, so what happens when I start giving you the word of the Lord that you don't like? What happens then? I mean, one pastor in particular overseas says, we'll move your your whole family over to our nation. I said, you're crazy. I said, you have so many Jezebels on your board. I'd want to kill them and they'd want to kill me. This would never last. He said, well, no, that's why I want to bring you in to deal with Jezebel. I said, listen, I can't. You're the leader. Until you deal with it, I can't. I said, you'll kill me here. I said, I'll live in a cave the whole time. Because when you have an anointing, whatever it's for, business, teaching, whatever it's for, whatever your anointing is, you need to understand what you've been mantled for because if you don't understand what you've been mantled for, then you'll just just go to anything that looks good. Elisha had not been anointed. He'd been mantled. The the mantle had been thrown on him. So he wasn't just anointed to be a prophet. He was mantled to be the prophet to the nation. You need to understand this. All these other schools of the prophets, they were under the prophet Elijah. There was a hierarchy then. And so what they were saying is, Elisha, just come be one of us because ultimately they just wanted to use the anointing on Elisha and not recognize the authority of Elisha. But Elisha recognized the authority of Elijah and was saying, I don't want just an anointing, I want the authority. I want the mantle. I don't want to just look like revival. I want to be revival. Do you get it this morning, church? You'll get offers. You'll receive opportunities for self-advancement. People will trip over one another to encourage you to join what they're doing. Come join my ministry. Come to our church because. Join our denomination because. But an offer for ministry is not always an offer from God. But actually something to divert you. I actually just spoke to a worship leader this last week. Two years ago, I prophesied to this person. I said, I don't know when it's going to happen, but I believe there's going to come an offer from another church to join their church as their worship leader. Look really good. But I have a warning from the Lord. Don't do it. Don't do it. So two years ago, I prophesied this. I warned him prophetically. Don't take the offer. It's not God. I don't know when it's coming, but the Lord wants you to plow where you're at because when God opens the door, it'll be time. He didn't listen. You know what happened? His wife left him for another person in the new ministry. Found out after she left him that she was pregnant with his baby. The baby died. I could go on and on about all of the tragedy that took place. I'm not saying that God released a curse over him. I'm saying there was a consequence of his sin of not obeying the voice of the Lord, but taking the opportunity that looked really good. And I think too many times in our lives, we look at opportunities that look good and they're not God. And they're not God. 
See, God links his anointed arising ministries to particular ministries, churches. They may not all be glitzy and offering great rewards for staying with them, but they are links ordained by God and in the long run have the potential to release you and I to a much greater anointing. That's the potential. God will release us to greater anointing when we stay faithful where he's called you. Let me tell you, there was nothing attractive to Elisha remaining linked to Elijah other than a mantle. He was grumpy. He was disillusioned. He had a complex. I'm the only one. And he was about to end his ministry. And I've seen so often that people get a better offer for their ministry and break the God-ordained connection, and they never reach the potential they could have reached. I've had people say to me, well, you know, your, your children's ministry isn't big enough, so build it. If God's called you here, help us build. Well, this isn't, and this isn't. Well, what are you called to? Oh, I don't know what I'm called to, but I'm going to go to a different church because it's just easier. All right. I bless you. Let me tell you, it's not always going to be glitzy and glamorous, but what I've discovered in my study of history is it wasn't the glitzy and glamorous places that God showed up. Talked about Wednesday night. It was an old, dilapidated barn that God showed up for Azusa Street. It once was a church that had been turned into a stable. Some of the stories that I've read, one woman said, oh, I was so glad that Brother Seymour didn't have me work on the first floor. That's where all the cow dung was. That's where a nation, world-shaking revival showed up. Hey, we at least have old carpet. Hallelujah. Listen, the stains aren't food. It's anointing oil that's been poured all over the front of the, the church. You know, a Pentecostal church when the carpet's stained with oil. Hallelujah. <laughs> the sons of the prophets could only see what was for their personal benefit. And what a tragedy, both for Elisha and ultimately the nation, had he been seduced by the self-promoting ministries of his day. Let me stress this. Everything looked great with the sons of the prophets. It looked great. I mean, here they were, thriving ministries when it had just been a, a, a decade of, of Ahab and Jezebel ruling the land, and now there's prophets popping up all over the place. But I tell you today, we'd better see things through the eyes of God and not man. Verse 7 of 2 Kings 2. Now 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood opposite them at a distance, while the two of them stood by the Jordan. Elijah took his mantle. So he's got that mantle back. He's got it back in his hand. This version says, took his coat, folded it, and struck the waters. And they were divided. I love what the King James says, hither and thither. It's fun language. Here and there. And the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they'd crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, ask me what I should do for you before I'm taken from you. And Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. He said, you've asked a hard thing. I love the spirit of Elisha. I don't just want the mantle. I want double. Give me double what you've got. Don't just give me what you got. Give me double. It's like in and out, double, double. It says, you've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Elisha had made a commitment to Elijah. So because of that commitment, a separation has now taken place. They crossed over. There was a parting of the Jordan and the offer only came once they had crossed over. Once Elisha had passed the test in his own life, if he was going to cross over with Elijah or stay back and just settle into what looked good, when he had crossed over, the offer came. He had gone all the way to the end and Elijah says, what shall I do for you? There are opportunities in the Spirit only when we cross over. And I want to say to you, church, we're crossing over and the Holy Ghost is is passing by with a fresh mantle for the church. I saw it so clearly at about 1.30 this morning. So clearly. Whatever the barrier holding us back from the double anointing has to be first crossed over. And the tragedy of this is the sons of the prophets, the ones who'd been trained, mentored, developed in the ministry, hadn't learned the most important lesson of all, to see life through the eyes of the Spirit to remain faithful to those whom God puts asunder, to resist the seduction of the popular. 
that the most spectacular and modern is not always the most spectacular and modern in the spirit. Listen, I'm not going to do gimmicks to try and get people in the door because if I do gimmicks, I'm going to have to keep doing gimmicks to keep them. There are churches today who are doing magic shows on Sunday mornings to draw people. That's a gimmick. It's witchcraft. I don't care what label you, you can put gospel in front of it and it's witchcraft. And I'm telling you, I'm not going to operate in gimmicks. We're going to operate in the move of the Spirit. We are in a season of time where the world is hungry for the supernatural. They want the supernatural. I mean, it's in the bookstores. You walk in and it's right there front and center. It's at Walmart. Whole section, how to train your kids to be witches. Like that's the, that is the spirit of the age. And we have the supernatural power of God that should be flowing through our lives. And we settle for a good show. No, thank you. There are times we have to get alone with God, separate ourselves from others, pay a cost to go back into the wilderness to wrestle with God. Moses had to go to the wilderness. John the Baptist had to live in the wilderness. Jesus himself had to find victory in the wilderness, but the wilderness was a pathway to empowerment. And what did I say to you this morning? You have sur- There's been grace for the wilderness. You've survived the sword and found grace in the wilderness. And there are times God will take us back into the wilderness to find something new in Him. And the shock of this story is that the young prophets, after all the training, after all the mentoring and development, they missed this most important part, that the fresh empowerment is found across the Jordan. Don't be afraid to get alone with God. Don't be afraid to cross over. Don't be afraid to go into the place of loneliness. Don't get afraid to go into the wilderness because there's grace in the wilderness and there's fresh empowerment in the crossing over. If you'll just cross over. You've never been this way before. You don't know what's happening over there, but I'm telling you, there's a whirlwind about to come. There's a chariot about to cross in front of you. Elijah's about to be caught up, but it's in that that there's a fresh empowerment and a double portion of his anointing. And if you'll just cross over, if you'll say, I'm willing to go all the way, you'll find the double portion. Part of the progress of faith is the constant call of the Spirit to separate yourselves. Be ye separate. Be in it, but not of it. And the warning that I have for you so often, people with great potential, maybe even already on the road to ministry, maybe already on the road to success, are seduced by the most popular, the most prominent, and the most spectacular. And they miss seeing through the eyes of the Spirit the most beneficial. Evaluating decisions based on personal advantage, thinking that they can short-circuit their development by taking a road of ease. I'm telling you, the road of empowerment is not easy. It will never be easy, Street. It is a road of death. It is a road of sacrifice. It's a road of service. But I'm telling you, on the other side of the Jordan, on the other side of separation, on the other side of crucifying the flesh, on the other side of sacrifice, there's a double portion of His Spirit available for you. From a natural perspective, Elijah's ministry was about finished. He's going. The popularity he once had is over. And it's with all the modern generation, the new group of up-and-coming ministries. Join us and be where it's at. Listen, I believe there are some tremendous ministries out there. But I was so grieved the other day watching a video of this, of this growing church. I mean, it, it's growing and I, I celebrate it. They have seven services on a Sunday. And I'm like... How do they have seven services? Because he said, I I celebrate the fact that I only need to preach for 17 minutes. And I thought, my God, I can't even start my opening in 17 minutes. Let alone have a move with the Spirit. And then as I began to to listen, it it was a thing on leadership development. Because I want to develop. I want to learn from those who, who look successful. He began to talk about how they time everything down to the second because it's in doing that that they create the most effective ministry on a Sunday morning. And I'm thinking the most effective ministry on a Sunday morning is not being timed down to the second. It's letting go of the clock and saying, God, move. That's why we did what we did this morning. I don't need announcements for a move of God. Listen, I don't even need to take an offering 
to see God move. I don't even need to take an offering to see God provide. If we didn't take an offering, I wouldn't worry about it. Talk to me two years ago, it might have been a different story. (laughs) Had to go through a death. But I'm telling you, it's in the trusting that Jesus is leading this. That's what what, what, uh, uh, William Seymour always used to say. I'm not the leader of this revival. The Holy Spirit is. It's so tempting to join the group. That's not always where the double anointing is found. And it's in the crossing over where the governmental mantle is received. It's what the ecclesia is all about. What a mistake the sons of the prophets made, rejecting the old, preferring everything the new would bring. But I want to say it this way this morning. You can never replace encountering God. You can never replace seasons of wrestling with God. I don't trust someone who doesn't have a limp. Some of you didn't catch that this morning. Jacob wrestled with God and forever was marked with a limp. He forever had evidence that he'd been in the presence of God. I don't trust a man of God that doesn't have a limp. I want to know that they've wrestled. I've got my own limp. I know where God touched me. I know where he put my my hip out of joint. We need a generation who walks with a limp, who doesn't strut onto the scene, but recognizes in my weakness he's made perfect. In my weakness, his strength is on display. I can't bring revival, but I can be a conduit of it. I, I, I'm just a vessel. We are earthenware vessels made for the filling of his glory. I recognize that he's the glory and the lifter of my head. Elisha found himself standing between the generation of Elijah and the new generation. And the issue was which would he align himself to? The popular crowd or to remain Elijah, which meant being rejected, put aside, but it also means the greater anointing. I want you to, I want to say this this morning. God is seeking to constantly elevate our faith, anointing, and governmental impact in the Spirit. But it is always found in the wilderness, alone with God, wrestling with the heart, contending with the allurements of the world. And the real objective in Elisha's heart, all those years, he poured water on the hands of the prophet. Thirteen years. There's a gap between what we found happen in Scripture the last time we see Elijah and when we find him here. There, there, there's a, a few years that we don't know what happened. We don't know what miracles took place. We don't know where they went. But we know that it wasn't important enough for it to be recorded in Scripture. But what was important was the transition between the old and the new. And what, what was happening over here with the sons of the prophets, they thought that was the new. But what was happening was happening in the wilderness. Oftentimes where God is moving the loudest is where it can't be seen. Oftentimes where God is moving the most profound is where it can't be seen. It's in the secret place. It's in the wilderness. And he says, I want a double portion of your spirit to be upon me. That was the ultimate objective. This was why separating from the others was necessary. This was the driving passion, the driving motivation to pay the cost and wrestle with God. A dimension of the Holy Spirit, which was an empowerment, which was available. And Elisha was after it. Elijah gives to Elisha one of the greatest keys to building the anointing in, my li- in, in our lives. I want you to catch this key this morning. If you see me. I remember years ago, the Lord woke me up in the middle of the night. It was about six months before we were moving to Texas. In the middle of the night, the Lord woke me up. And this phrase jumped out at me so strongly. If you can see the invisible, you can do the impossible. I didn't know it had been coined by other ministers before me. I thought I had some great revelation that no one else had said before. And then I realized Oral Roberts wrote a book called If You Can See the Invisible, You Can Do the Impossible. But I had this phrase in my spirit. And, it, and Elijah says to him, if you see me, because what you see with your heart is what rules your soul and will ultimately control your steps. What the sons of the prophets saw versus what Elisha saw. The sons of of the prophets only saw the allurement of the modern and the new, but Elisha had a heart drawn toward greater anointing, and that heart took him on a different journey. Look at verse 11. And as they were going along and talking, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire which separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind to heaven. Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, 
the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw Elijah no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and returned and stood by the bank of the Jordan. He took the mantle of Elijah and that fell from him and struck the waters and said, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? And when he had also struck the waters, they were divided here and there, and Elisha crossed over. He got the mantle because of what he saw. Imagine that scene for a moment. Suddenly, there's a chariot of fire. Horses, plural, not one. Multiple horses of fire. I mean, this is some event. I love how dramatic Scripture is. There's this chariot and these horses of fire. And that's not what Elijah went up in. He was caught up in the whirlwind. The chariot separated Elijah and Elisha. And this incredible manifestation separates them. So magnificent is the sight. All the noise, the drama, the supernatural. One would obviously be attempted. Chariots, horses of fire, whirlwind. I mean, this is dramatic. And it's tempting to be absorbed in the drama. And it's that same danger that we must be careful of today. We can see all the manifestations. I love the manifestations of the Spirit. God wants to show up in gold dust. I mean, I ask for gold bricks, but you know, if He wants to show up in gold dust, great. Gemstones, healings, miracles, all of those are manifestations of the Spirit. And we can get focused and they can take our view, but miss the real point. He was going for the mantle. We get what we see. If all you see is the drunkenness of the Spirit and the manifestations of the Spirit, that's all you're going to get. If that's what you focus on, and unfortunately that's what a a lot of revivals get focused on is the manifestations of what's happening rather than the mantle to take it to a whole generation. Rather than a mantle to transform a nation. Revival doesn't come just for the manifestations. It comes for transformation. But Elisha kept his eye on Elijah. That was what he really wanted. He could have got carried away by the chariot and the horses of fire. I'm going to start to close this morning. Then behind all this activity, another event occurs. Not so dramatic, not so attention-grabbing, a whirlwind. So easily that it could have been missed as it was behind the chariot and these horses of fire. But it was there that the mantle would be found. And here's the point. Because he kept his eye towards the main thing, he got it. Because he kept his eye on the main thing, he got it. And Elisha was watching it and he was crying out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. And he did not see Elijah again. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in pieces. He ripped off the old season. He ripped off what he'd been wearing. He ripped off what represented who he was before the mantle came. And he picked up the mantle. He picked it up. He folded it in half and he struck the waters and he said, where is the God of Elijah? And the God of Elijah was there and he crossed over on dry ground. God will take you into the wilderness to rend you of your old season, to rend you of your old identity, to rend you of who you thought you were. But it is in that season, if you keep your eye on the thing that matters, if you keep your eye on the Spirit of God, if you keep your eye on the mantle, when the mantle falls, you'll be able to pick it up. If he had not kept his eye, the mantle would have been gone forever. He would have missed it and the mantle would have ended. Church, I I want to say to you this morning, God's passing by the equipping church. I know it more than ever before that we are being mantled for revival. I've never felt it so sure in my spirit. And, And I don't say this exaggeratory. Please hear me this morning. I don't say it for hype. I say it because there is a deep fear of the Lord in my heart. I have never in my life been so in the fear of the Lord because I recognize if our house isn't in order, we'll miss the mantle. So when I got in the flesh yesterday afternoon, I had to come down to the church to work on some stuff and I couldn't work because the fear of the Lord hit my heart. And I reckon, I can't believe I behaved that way. 
can't believe I responded in anger that way. And I laid here and I wept because I knew it could cost me a mantle. When we get our house in order, it means that we keep our eyes on what God is doing. The result of Elijah or Elisha picking up a mantle was that he did double the miracles of Elijah. But more than that, it was to steward a nation as a prophet. Church, the mantle that I saw hanging in the spirit at 1.30 this morning looked very similar to this. Doesn't say it on here, but across it, written in the blood of Jesus, was the word revival. I went to bed and I had a dream. And in the dream, Jesus was weeping. And I was taken into kind of this dual picture, if you will. And in one, one picture, Jesus was weeping. In another picture, there was a preacher standing behind a pulpit. And he said, I want you to claim your Cadillac today. I want you to claim your millions today. And I'm back before Jesus. I said, Jesus, why are you weeping? He said, because so many just want stuff. And there's a generation that I want to mantle with revival. Church, that's what we're called to. Revival is the manifested presence of Jesus. Transforming lives. That's what we're called to. And the Holy Ghost is passing by. He's about to throw a mantle on the church. I can't tell you exactly when it's going to happen. I can't tell you exactly what the moment will be when revival breaks out here. I, I can't tell you what that's going to look like. But I know the Holy Ghost is passing by. And we're about to be mantled. And we're about to cross over and receive a double portion of His Spirit. I, I believe we saw some of it Wednesday. I believe we saw some of it last week. I believe there's been hints over the last several weeks and months. We're following the breadcrumbs of the Holy Spirit. And He's leading us to revival. After church today, if, you, if you're not, uh, we're, we're changing our language just a little bit. We have membership here at TEC, but we're going to call them partners in revival. That's the language we're going to begin to use. If you're not a partner in revival here, we want to invite you to stay, stay after for lunch. Wanda's told me there's plenty. If you haven't called TEC your home and you want to find out about our vision, you want to find out about what we feel called to, what we're mantled to, I invite you to stay afterwards. But this morning, I, I don't feel led to lay hands on people this morning. And if you know me, I love to I love to lay hands. It's fun. I love a good move of God like that. But this morning, I feel a call to invite you to get your house in order. Because the Holy Ghost is passing by. He's throwing a mantle. And we could miss it if we don't have our house in order. I want us to sustain it. I want to be a place that sustains revival. I said to someone the other day, I don't want to be a big explosion that fizzles out. I want to be a flame that's sustained. I want to be the fire on the altar that never goes out. Like the Moravians prayed. Let us be a fire that never goes out. Will you stand this morning? I'm so stirred in my spirit, church. And the question the Lord is asking you this morning, what have I done to you? What have I done to you? It's time to get our house in order, church. I'm going to pray, and I'm just going to let you stand there for a few moments and let, let the Lord minister to you. Before I do that, if you're in this room this morning, you're watching by live stream, you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. 
You've never surrendered your life. You've never come into the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. I want to say to you this morning, there's no greater decision than to follow Jesus and to surrender your life to follow him. Maybe you're in the room this morning, you're watching by live stream, and there's a distance between you and God. You feel backslidden. You feel like you're not walking with him the way you need to. I want to give you that opportunity this morning. Listen, just praying a prayer isn't what gets you saved. Salvation is a process of dying to yourself and coming alive in Christ. But this is an entry point to that life. This morning, if you really want to get saved, you, you want to know that you know that you know you've surrendered your life, I want to give you that opportunity. There's no greater joy than following Jesus. If that's you this morning, I want you to slip up your hand. You're saying, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. There's no shame and no embarrassment. Don't be embarrassed to follow Jesus this morning. Don't be embarrassed to surrender. You might be watching by live stream. You might be in the room. If that's you this morning, I want you to slip up your hand. All right, we're going to pray. Lord Jesus, I surrender my life. I repent of my sin. Today I choose to accept your death, to accept your burial, and put my faith in the resurrection. That you are who you say you are. Father, I surrender. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram or Facebook, or visit www.equippingchurch.us.